to a Hope 103.2 podcast. Recently, my wife read to me from the quarterly magazine of our favourite missionary organisation. The article described some of the setbacks experienced over the years by the Church Missionary Society, CMS. After some glory days in the early 1800s, CMS started to experience financial troubles. The committee began to consider holding missionaries back from the field, something that would have disturbed the founders of the society no end. Between 1856 and 1872, CMS found itself in debt and without any new missionary candidates. In 1872, however, let me read from the magazine, a day of prayer was held for missionary candidates, not money, and it had immediate results. More people offered for service in the next few months than had offered in as many years before, and CMS received, without asking for it, the largest income it had ever received in one year. The history of CMS remains one of Australia's most exciting missionary stories, with over 130 missionaries throughout the world today. In large part, it's a story of earnest prayer. At the very least, I'm saying that when you pray for the work of the gospel and for sending out more workers, you are actually promoting the gospel. You are personally seeking the salvation of others in obedience to and in imitation of Jesus himself, the one who said in the passage we looked at last time, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. The connection between prayer and mission is not peculiar to Jesus' teaching. Intercession for the salvation of the world is actually a theme that appears throughout the Bible. In fact, the practice began a millennium before Jesus. As far back as the foundation of the first Jerusalem temple in about 950 BC, people were praying that God would have mercy on the nations. At the grand opening and dedication of the temple, Solomon, the third king of Israel, offered a lengthy and beautiful prayer about the significance of the temple in the world. It's found in 1 Kings chapter 8. Now, most of the prayer, naturally enough, concerns God's blessings for the Israelites. One paragraph, though, in the middle, reveals Solomon's concern for those who don't yet know the glory of God. Let me read it to you, 1 Kings eight forty-one. As for the foreigner who does not belong to your people Israel, but has come from a distant land because of your name, for men will hear of your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm, when he comes and prays toward this temple, Then hear from heaven your dwelling place, and do whatever the foreigner asks of you, so that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you, as do your own people Israel. Here is an Old Testament king pleading with God in prayer to help pagans know and fear the Lord, just as Israel does. Numerous other biblical texts emphasize the role of prayer in God's mission. Two themes can be seen. One, praying for unbelievers with a view to their salvation. And two, praying for the ongoing work of those who actually evangelize unbelievers. In the letter to the Romans, Paul tells us that it was his practice to plead with God on behalf of people who don't yet know the Lord. He's talking about Jews in this particular case. Romans 10.1, he says, Brothers, 
My heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. In his letter to a long-term missionary colleague, Paul urges Timothy to ensure that the congregations in his care throughout Ephesus likewise pray for the unbelieving world. Let me read 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for everyone for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Saviour, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Now it's very important to see the logical connection between verses 1 and 2 and verses 3 and 4. Why is it good for Christians to pray for all people? Well, because such prayers please the one who desires all people to be saved. In other words, prayers for the unbelieving world fulfill the Saviour God's longing to redeem that world. Praying for those who do not yet believe is actually a way of seeking their salvation. Prayer is not a passive sideline aspect of evangelistic commitment. It's actually a fundamental expression of that commitment. Let me personalize this for a moment. One of my dear friends, Lucy, spent two years surrounded by committed Christians in her workplace. She was one of the most frequently evangelized people I have ever known. For some reason, though, the message didn't connect. She liked what she heard, she loved the Christians she mixed with every day, but she couldn't bring herself to accept that Jesus died and rose for her. Over those two years, many, many requests, prayers and intercessions had been offered to God on her behalf, with no apparent answer. That changed late one night when one of Lucy's friends felt compelled to get up out of bed, get on his knees, and pray earnestly for Lucy to come to know the truth. Her friend claims never to have felt this kind of compulsion before or since. That same night, completely unbeknown to the friend, Lucy too was lying in bed pondering all that her friends had been telling her over the last two years. Suddenly, Lucy explains, a kind of mental blindfold was removed and she knew God loved her and that he had sent Jesus to die and rise again for her. In that moment, she thanked the Lord and embraced his gift. Imagine her friend's surprise when the next morning she rang him to say, I get it, I get it, I understand what God has done for me, I'm now a Christian. Lucy's mate nearly fell off his chair. He admits he wept. Many of us did when we found out. Ten or more years later, Lucy and her family continue to grow in the faith. Now, I'm not telling you this story for the spook factor, nor because I think the Lord operates this way all the time. I'm sure he doesn't, actually. Many of us have been praying for our loved ones for decades with no apparent answer. But Lucy's story crystallizes for me in a dramatic way that evangelism and prayer are two sides of the one coin. One is public, the other is silent and hidden. Both are vital. 
As one of the people who was trying to share the gospel with Lucy, I was humbled to know of the hidden prayers of her friends and to observe the wonderfully solo manner of her conversion. Against an occasionally activist church culture, where busyness, programming and events are highly valued, I was reminded that the hidden dimension of prayer is probably more basic to the achievement of God's purposes than the public dimension. I am all for activism in mission, but not at the expense of compassionate, regular prayer for our unbelieving friends, family and the world. Such prayers are pleasing to God our Saviour, who wants all people to be saved and to come to know the truth. Hope 103.2 Thanks for listening.